Well, welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. Thank you for uh, joining us again this week. We're back again um, with our podcast. We're going to build off last week's episode um, about um, church architecture and the role it plays and and how it shapes us in our churches and just uh, the way it functions. And so that should be another fun conversation as uh, no one caught the joke earlier that we're going to build off our conversation you said that this time yeah i just said that i mean i couldn't say anything anyways because you just unmuted me so yeah me too there's a reason why only let the professionals have the says the guy who hasn't done a well i guess we did one last week but three weeks prior. yeah okay all right you know whatever (laughs) um so we talked last week about um how um the first argument that we got in this article here about um called when bricks matter says buildings powerfully shape and are shaped by religious congregations. The second thing that they're talking here about, right? How church architecture influences us, um, how it shapes us, how it it shows our, um, the value that we put into stuff or whatever. It shows our values, whether or not we want to, um, come across as a, as a traditional Christian church or a non-traditional Christian church, whatever that is, um, just the role and what we're seeing in, in what, how it also shapes our worship, our activities, our relationship together. Pastor Scott brought up about how, um, you know, our church um, having two main entrances impacts the way that we actually relate to each other within the building and within our, our congregation. So the second argument they talk about is that religious building projects tend to generate excitement and contention. They tend to generate excitement and contention. So um, it says this, one key piece of evidence suggesting that buildings are of considerable importance to religious communities can be seen in the observation that religious building projects frequently involve a great deal of excitement and enthusiasm and conflict over the exact size, shape, and decor of the proposed building or renovation. Such discussion and conflict can take place at the congregational level or within a denomination or religious tradition. Anecdotal evidence suggests that major building projects rarely come off without a hitch. So you're telling me it took two university professors yes. to do academic research to find out that when a church does a building, <laughs> there's arguments. Yes. Well, I think that's an argument for why bricks matter. I think that's what they're trying to argue for. It's an argument to say, if because one of the things people would say was, well, it doesn't matter what the building looks like, but then why do people get so upset or excited about building projects? I think that's what they're trying to get at, right, is the fact that people get either really excited and enthusiastic or it cre- can create contentions shows it is important to people, actually, no matter what they may say. Um, yeah, you know, sure. Which I think is a, true, right? It is, I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I've never I, really been a part of one that I remember. A, like a building project? Yeah. I mean, this one you remember, I'm sure. Yeah, but I mean, I wasn't yeah, like... Yeah, you weren't part of the decision makers. Yeah, I wasn't. That. I don't even remember like business meetings and all that. Mm-hmm. Same with the fellowship hall over there. I don't I don't really remember. Yeah. I can speak to the excitement side yeah. of that for sure because <clears throat> having been part of a church plant before that met for for five years in a building that wasn't our own and we would have to load in all of our stuff every Sunday and then load it back out for five years. Mm -hmm. That's exhausting and tiring, you know? So like our, our friend John 
Moffat yeah. who recently came, like they had to do that as well. And mm-hmm. they, they still do that, don't they? Yeah, they don't yeah. have a building yet. Yeah, so they meet in a school like we did. And we were, ex- I mean, it generated a lot of excitement, the idea of getting a building because of what it communicated to us as a church, but also to the community around us that we weren't just some kind of... Um, Fly-by-night yeah, thing. you know, like we weren't just some temporary group mm-hmm. that was just here for a short time, but there was going to be some permanence yeah. to what we were doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so for our church, like we were all excited about what the future would hold. Like this would make it to where, you know, we didn't have to focus our time and our energy on Sunday morning to getting everything in here. Right. We could focus on things that we actually cared about, you know, doing. Sure. And uh, so for us, it was a major milestone. And mm-hmm. rightly so, I think. Yeah. Um, but it also communicated to everybody, like, when we would meet people in the community and say, yeah, we meet at the high school, mm-hmm. and we're a church, they'd kind of look at us a little strange, right. like we weren't really a church. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever we told them, yeah, we this is where we're at right over here in this building is where our church is, mm-hmm. you know, it, it uh, just led conversations to go differently. And so we were excited about that. I think, too, one of the things I remember was... Um, my dad pastored a church. The church he pastors pastors previously met in a sale barn. I so, that. Yeah. so in a livestock auction arena. So you would have the seating, which was like stadium seating, and the, of course the whole thing is like concrete, um, and it has an odor. <laughs> Obviously, a very strong odor. And you've got the sale uh, with the you know the fencing around it and um we would have to do something similar to what you're describing scott we'd have to set everything up the screen or mm-hmm. you'd have to pull the screen down set all this stuff the projector everything yeah. would have to be set up um uh, when we we're grateful for that space but the reality was is then eventually my my dad's church there was a nearby there was a a presbyterian church building that was owned by the denomination, but the congregation was no longer meeting there. So they actually gifted the church building. It's a small little building to my dad, Mm. to their church. So they moved there. They had their own building then, but that creates a different worship experience from going from the sale barn to a small traditional style country church building. Mm -hmm. Um, totally different worship uh, environment mm-hmm. um, and it changes the way. And, and I'm sure there were some people that um, felt comfortable in the sale barn, but they were not going to come, you know, the, the, it was going to be a different feel sure. um, whenever you come in there. And uh, so, yeah, the, it, these, these buildings can create excitement. Um, and we also hear horror stories too about friction um, that can, that can come about with uh, building plans uh, as, as well. Um, one of the things they, they say here as well is the very nature of a physical structure, especially one that serves an identifiable community, involves providing a locus of identity for the group that identifies with it. Um, the, the symbolic interactionists. So that's, I guess, a group of people. Symbolic interactionists have pointed out that the architecture of a building provides members of the community that identifies with that building an invitation to self-reflection. So I guess whenever you're uh, building that building or identifying with that building, it, it calls you to reflect about who are we? Who are we as, the, as this religious community? So if you're a member of a mosque, it's causing you to, whenever you enter the mosque, because right there is a, there's that giant Islamic center just south of Toledo, right? By Perrysburg or somewhere down there. I'm sure whenever you go in there, 
there's a certain feel you get about what it means to be a Muslim. Um, or if you go to a synagogue, I'm sure that you get that feel. And similarly, it promotes uh, self-reflection. And these can be uh, related to, um, you know, uh, uh, you know the, what, who we are as a community is going to be put into uh, the building. Eventually, they say um, leaders, they have to, they says, must find a way to help members feel represented by the new building and perhaps even excited enough to continue or increase their typically voluntary uh, giving. So churches need to feel as if this building is a fair representation of who they are as a religious community. And so similarly, we have to ask ourselves, um, how again is, is, is this building representing who we are as the people of God? And I think that's a fair, um, a fair question. It's similarly like our, our Capitol building is designed the way it is because it's, they're trying to communicate something of the importance, um, of what it means to be a part of the United States government, whether the house or the Senate. Um, similarly as a, as a church, we're trying to communicate and self-reflect, um, who we are as, as a church. And that's also part of why people are probably either very enthusiastic or horrified uh, whenever it comes to church buildings and projects like that, because what's at stake in is also not simply the, how we're going to do this and put this building together, but who are we as a congregation is also what is being discussed and, and talked about in those, those moments. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, like I said, I haven't I haven't sat in the room when there was all those discussions, and I would like to think that that's how the discussions went. But I just think too often it's probably just individuals what they like and desire, and that's what they're trying to get into the building. You know, you definitely want to talk about making it comfortable. I would say for your members, but also for uh, guests, so you you think through that. I would I would guess, um, but I think a lot of the arguments aren't theological. I think a lot of them, at least in our world, t- would tend to uh, be just what people want. You know, so like <clears throat> we're we have a team looking at renovating our building because our building is old old now, uh, almost thirty years old, and. Uh, you could see in the in the couple of meetings that we've discussed it within our business meetings, you can see how easily it could become contentious in little things that were just preferential, not in important things, you know. So instead of the question being like uh, something major about should we get new carpet, should we not get new carpet, the question is what kind of carpet? And it's like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, just like things like that's what I mean about more mm-hmm. individualistic. Should mm-hmm. we have a pulpit? Should we not have a pulpit? That's not the question. What should the pulpit look like? There's the question. Okay. Mm-hmm. What? That seems more individualistic, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And that's where it, you could, I'm not saying our business meetings were contentious at all, but that you could see that's where it could get that, get that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. You know, now maybe a whole new building, a whole new design and a new scope, that could be something different, but, uh, I think most of the time in our context, it's just people's own likes and desires Yeah, with things. Yeah. I mean, I, we already recorded one episode on this subject and this is the second one. 
And something I've been thinking about in between is that to, I understand what we're saying about how our the building reflects what we believe and it also shapes us. And then in this this one especially about how the people see the building as a reflection of who they are. In a way, like I, I really feel like this is a first world discussion that we're having. Like I'd be really interested to hear like Pastor Peter hitting his reaction to this whole conversation uh, because, you know, like I we've said it several times, like they meet under a tree. Well, they did, yeah, they, but then they, they, they have a building. Yeah, they have a building now. But like, you know, like when they were talking about like constructing this building for the church there to meet in, I don't, I mean, I'm, I just, I mean, maybe, maybe it was part of their discussion of like, you know, what do we want to communicate, this building to communicate about us and our church here? Or was it purely pragmatic of like, we just need a roof over our heads and a place to sit down and to, to get a central location to gather. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think like if, if your church is at the point where the things you're worried about are what this building says about us versus, well, we just need a place to meet together. And this is just out of necessity. That just seems like two very different conversations to me that is based upon your socioeconomic level. You don't have to be super wealthy to be there. Like we even said, like we're in a middle class area, middle class church, you know, uh, but if you're in a lower class area, like I don't really know if you're thinking about that very much. Well, I think Spencer brought that up at the beginning of the first one, talking about Mm -hmm. how we are a middle class Mm -hmm. congregation here. Yeah. And based on your different locales, we'll probably determine the conversations. But I would guess even like in, in Africa with Pastor Peter, the building maybe and like just having a spot, but they might have painted it, you know, and somebody cared about what they painted it. And then, mm-hmm. but, but I think how it is then organized inside will matter based on what they believe. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like, like we talked about, do you have a table that the Lord's supper sits on or, or not? You know, how, how often will you observe that could determine how you set up your, your seats in, in there, you know, um, thinking through and I know he has to think through this right like with the singing and sound they have they have that stuff yeah uh, there whatever minimal it might be but uh, so for them it would look a little different probably but still probably some discussions some disagreements of what that might play and out also be. unintentionally though that building is shaping their life because think about it they don't have a ton of rooms for like Sunday school mm-hmm Mm-hmm. The church is literally a gathering mm-hmm. that gets together in one spot. Mm-hmm. And what do they do? They don't have a sound system, I'm assuming. Yeah, they, church I don't know. church experience is a picture of the building. It'd be hard to yeah, believe. It. So I'm yeah. just saying like it shapes their church experience. Mm-hmm. What do they do? They sing, they pray, they read, they preach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess. Yeah. So their church experience is shaped by. Oh, yeah. No, the, their building or lack that. thereof. Yeah. Yeah. So not denying that by yeah. any means, but like some of the questions of like. I think the last episode we were talking about like the the height of the building of like we were talking about, you know, mm-hmm. some of them like designed to make you look up. I just don't think they're thinking about that out in this. Like they don't have the resources, the materials to build a building higher just because they want to make you look up. Right. They're impoverished. Yeah. I don't know how that goes. Like for for us as Baptists, that is true. I don't know what a Catholic church in Africa being built looks like. Because there are elements they have to have in order to do their worship, right? 
So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Now, they're funded a lot better than Baptists. And that's what I was going to say. The funding mechanism yeah. is probably so very different. I'm just saying it, yeah. it probably is thought about from them. But from a Baptist standpoint, what we have, we don't. Yeah, right. Yeah. For sure. I don't know. I'm just saying this as like, those were things that I have been thinking about of that, uh, that these things definitely shape us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I know that there's definitely... And we talk, we 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 can talk about it in terms of like, well, when you make the choice to do this, or when you make the choice to do that, you're actually choosing this. And I think there's a lot of churches that they they don't actually have that much choice in some sometimes, sure. like in how ornate they get or how mm-hmm. how much symbolism they want to work in, just as a because it'd be nice right. to have. <clears throat> but everybody, you're right. I mean, the whole point of our discussion of that, like, you're building shapes your practice, even yeah. how you think about things. That's definitely true right. across the board. Right. But the ability, I guess what I was trying to point out is the, the ability to be intentional about that, like to design something in a way that is intentionally draws people gaze, gaze upward, right? Or the stained glass that we talked about earlier, your ability to do that really depends on your socioeconomic status of your church in many ways. I or, think. or also if you want to do that, you don't have to do that. Sure. I mean, you yeah. know, and there's some people, and I'm not saying, I'm not, I don't, I don't think, yeah, no, no one's advocating that you have to have a church that draws your aisle up. I think what he was, yeah, the point was is, though, is that is what it did, though. Yeah. You know, yeah. that is what it did um, uh, in an aspect um, of there. So I do think, though, in America, particularly in the U.S., though, and that's why it is helpful for our discussion here, though, many of these things, though, are not. There are some people that are doing things um, just simply for for reasons where they're saying, we just need a place to meet. Others, though, even inside the building, are making intentional choices about what they're excluding or including, I think, um, in the way, in the appearance. And they're, they're saying something, um, I think, about their, their worship and about what they believe, mm-hmm. unknowingly or unknowingly, intentionally or unintentionally, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, um, in various degrees. It mentioned something in there about giving. What was it? Yeah. Um, I think what it was saying is that you want people to feel like the building represents them because it's saying that uh, you, want them, you want them to feel excited enough um, because they're talking about diplomacy with leaders leading building projects because it says that you must that leaders must find a way to help members feel represented by the new building and perhaps even excited enough to continue or increase their typically voluntary giving. Um so I guess that's the point is you want people to feel like they've got ownership and this is this is representing who the church is. I feel like that's basically a fancy way of saying you want to find ways to motivate people to give money to this project. So it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, but, but also they're not going to do that if they don't feel represented. Yeah, exactly. Right? But yeah. that's what you do. You right. make them feel represented. Right. And so right. they continue right. to give money to the project because sure. it takes money sure. to do it. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, which in my head would be the most contentious thing. Because I, I mean, that would be my fear. Like even with the renovation, is we we are a church family and we call ourselves a family. But the fact of the matter is, it's very common for people to just leave the family over nothing, and sure. they're gone, and they take their money with them, and they leave the family to fend for themselves. You know, like if if Amanda and I go and get a loan for something, we can't just choose to leave it. You know what I mean? We're on the hook. We both signed as family. Sure. We're on the hook for that. Sure. In a church, it's not like that. Right. And so people can just 
just leave. And, and you see that happen more today, I feel like, than ever. And that that's where it gets more contentious and worrisome in building or spending a lot of money is like, yeah, right now, at this moment, we think we can uh, afford this. But as soon as a couple people don't feel represented, like you're talking about, they leave. We can't afford this anymore. We should have never got into this bind. And now the rest of the people are all left. Sure. Um, and that's where just that type of language makes it really nerve wracking to me of like, I want everybody to be happy with this. Like, yeah. no. The well, other side of what you're <laughs> saying is, I mean, not when the people who have the money leave, but is when the only people who are still there are the ones with the money that like mm -hmm. control the situation sure. or keep things afloat or something like that. That's happened in churches. I've, sure. I've been a part mm -hmm. of in the past mm -hmm. and it's uh it's detrimental. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a way of holding the church hostage. Right. Yeah, for sure. All right. The next thing they bring up here, the overall point is, so we've talked about how um, buildings can obviously excite, uh, excite or, um, drain i guess churches you know create contention another thing they point out is that buildings exert historical influence from the past um they are in many ways um monuments to um if they're if they're especially if they're an older building if the building is older it is a monument to the past faith of this past congregation to saints from the from previously um one of the things the article says here, buildings are time-stamped in at least two ways. First, the actual dates of commencement and completion of construction on a religious building demonstrate the nature of a religious community in a given time and place while speaking to the prevailing religious and architectural social networks, even as historical structures like the Notre Dame de Paris are contested and reinterpreted by uh, later generations. So the first thing is, is obviously buildings are time stamped by simply when they were built. And um, so you can, you can judge them uh, from that way. But then this is a helpful thing. Then later on though, he says this, even though even more important though, is the fact that religious buildings from the past continue to exert influence on later social groups. The structures do not just sit benignly. Their materiality affects groups using the buildings and those in the neighborhood. So they're saying that the past, these buildings from the past, they continue to exert influence on social groups in the future. So you think about um, architecture, especially downtown Monroe, right? There are some, there's some older church buildings there, like the Presbyterian church, um, the Methodist church, the Episcopal church, the, the, Episcopal church, the Catholic church, um, buildings that are older, more traditional, uh, maybe also um, um, Trinity Lutheran. Uh, downtown too is an older, uh, bigger, more traditional building. Those buildings, even though they were stamped from a previous era, are continuing to influence the faith and practice of the people that go there and also to the people that are in those neighborhoods around them. Um, and they're continuing to exert um, influence <laughs> to some degree upon those uh, upon those the people that are that come into contact with those buildings whether and this is going to happen whether we like it or not um so what comes to your mind whenever you come around those older church buildings like that downtown is there some is there a feeling or a the something that that hits you whenever you're down by those buildings in particular 
I mean, you've seen them for so long, Tim. I think of the history, I guess, of like that there's been a influence in this town of the Christian faith for a long time. But honestly, I know I, I get what they're saying here, but I, when I see old Christian buildings now, I just think I bet they're not even doing a good job anymore in there. Mm. Many I mean, of them are. Yeah. I wonder if they're still like in the faith, like still sure. going strong. Sure. Um, I don't know, I guess, cause I just see so many who aren't anymore. And sadly, and, many of the buildings we just mentioned are no so longer that preaching building, the faith. That yeah. building that once stood as a beacon of light, uh, to me is not that anymore. And it has nothing to do with the building. It's the people that were inside making decisions of what direction they were going to go. And they've chosen poorly. They've chosen to go against the scripture, right? Against sure. God's word. Uh, and so that, I mean, that's, I'm not saying that specifically of a bunch of churches in our area, but that some, some of them have for some of them definitely have mm-hmm. done that turn the wrong way. Uh, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I was, what do you think Spencer? Like the impact that those, is it the, talking about the impact those buildings have on the community around and it? those and the people that go to church there? Okay. Like now, yeah. if I went to church in one of them, like I, I could imagine if, um, we, uh, when I was at a different church, we helped a church in Lansing, mm-hmm. and the building was helped to be built and funded by the Olds family, Oldsmobile, mm. who started Oldsmobile, yeah. and they had like a, a rock in there that the building was built out of, you know, that said that sure. and all that. And when you were in that building, you knew it was historical. Yeah. And they had some things set up where you could read back to how the church was started and some history. and. For me, if I was a part of that church with all this history and going to this building every day, I would want to honor that history. That that sure. would be part of what I would be thinking sure. about, mm-hmm. is wanting to honor that. Uh, again, like theologically, everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. like this is what this building was here for, and this is what it should remain and be. Right. So, so, so here's another example. I would use, you just went to Boston. Yeah. You saw Park Street Church mm-hmm. outside, which is an old mm-hmm. historic congregational church, still evangelical. Yeah. What do you think would be your experience if you were a member of that church? What would you, what would your... I feel, I would feel very much connected to the past. Right, right. You would feel like this church has been faithful to the gospel for hundreds of years yeah, now and I handed it down and I'm just one of many. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the first person to come here. That's actually really helpful for the Christian faith. One of the dangers of all the church planting that goes on is I think you start getting people to forget that the faith was passed down to them by other people. And so, because, and I can see how the building can help that, but like, I sense that here, I know that we've been around eight right. five years and, um, right. We talk about the different buildings that our church has been in, you know, garage, little white church on Wadsworth out right here. And we have some pictures that we even have pictures of, uh, the, the old, old building. Yeah. Out yeah. in the hallway along with the new one. And, um, <clears throat> But it's not the building that evokes that, I guess, in me. I mean, seeing the old buildings are sure. interesting, but it's more the well, but we've, the history. But our church has moved buildings, yeah. too, which is different than if you're at Park Street. Yeah. Or if you're at, um, you know, um, there's some there are historic churches that have um, remained faithful to the gospel. 
in the U.S. that are old buildings, that are um, old churches that still preach the gospel. Um, I think about one in Birmingham that is an, uh, that is an, an old old church and they have their building and it's very traditional and old school, but they still preach the gospel there. So I'm assuming that impacts the worship experience of people there because they're, they're feeling connected to the past in a way that's different than if I'm uh, simply uh, meeting elsewhere. Now I'm not saying you're not connected to the past. I'm not saying you have to have an old building. I'm just saying, again, the point is, is our buildings do exert influence beyond us. Um, and I think and, that's something as Americans though that we're just going to struggle with because we're definitely. still we're still new, right? So, yeah. So for us, when we go and look at something, we're like, "Whoa, that is so old!" It's like, "How old is it?" It's two hundred years old. Right. Well, you go over to Europe, and you're like, "How old is that building?" I'm like fifteen hundred years old. You're like, "What?" Right. Right. <laughs> and it and so it well that like, go ahead. that was something that I've just thinking about in the midst of this this particular point because I've been to like Scotland and seen like St. Giles Cathedral mm. where John Knox would preach, you know, on the Royal Mile there leading up to the castle in Edinburgh. And there's nothing about the gospel in that mm-hmm. church anymore. Right. Sure. You go in there, if, if you read similar to probably the cathedrals you saw uh, mm-hmm. in, or mm-hmm. in Boston or in the capital or wherever, that there's nothing about the gospel here anymore. It's a World War II and World War One monument. Mm-hmm. That's what all the plaques are for. That's what all the names mm-hmm. are for. Um. And so I just, I don't know. And then there's a very common thing to happen over in England is for old church buildings to be turned into nightclubs Mm -hmm. and skate parks inside, you know, with really elaborate layouts. And so I don't, I don't know when the gospel isn't preached at those churches and there's not a congregation that's alive there. I think the community around it tends to just start seeing it as like a a cool old relic of the past, Mm -hmm. but they, you know, eventually they lose uh, the message that brings it that importance, I guess. I don't sure. know. Um, so I do I've been thinking about that too, of, I don't know how many of the people there actually know the gospel that used to be preached in that church. Now they just sure. know it's the nightclub that people sure. go and meet at, which is super sad. Sure. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um, no, that's a good caveat. Um, one of the, one of the examples they give too was, uh, this it's actually from, uh, well here, let me see here. Is this in Guatemala City? So uh, this is an example. They said um, the ongoing influence of, they're talking about the historical influence of buildings. On the outskirts of Guatemala City, a sprawling new church campus, somewhat unselfconsciously christened um, Ciudad de Dios, City of God, was finished and dedicated in 2013. The project involved a capital campaign of 55 million U.S. dollars, and the finished construction has been paid for in full thanks to the donations and faith promises of thousands of members of the Casa de Dios church that meets there. The Central Sanctuary Parking or central sanctuary building. There are multiple buildings on the campus as well as a multi-level parking garage seats several thousand and is thoroughly modern in the sense that it does not contain traditional elements of ecclesial architectural design. Resembling a basketball arena from the outside and a theater in the main sanctuary, the building is intentionally absent of easily recognizable religious symbolism, except insofar as the footprint of the building resembles a dove when seen from the vantage point of an airplane. 
Thus viewed from the ground, the shape and decor of the building do not call to mind the historical Christian church. The building is abstract and contains no steeple or spire. A conversation with the architect revealed that the design process was directed entirely by a four-member committee, including the lead pastor, the architect, the builder, and one other church leader. For inspiration, the committee visited two other structures— Reverend Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, which meets in the remodeled compact center that was formerly home to the Houston Rockets, and the Cirque de Sol in Las Vegas, Nevada. So that's an example of a church outside of the U.S. that has intentionally said, we don't want to be your grandfather's church. So they've stripped everything away and made it look like a theater and a basketball arena. They're doing something intentional to break from the past. Um, so whereas some churches, all they have is the past and no gospel. Some churches are saying, well, we don't want to have the past at all. And so they're, 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 um, how many uh, people did it say met in that church? Thousands. I'm assuming several thousand seats, several thousand in Guatemala city. So I don't know. The mega church exists outside of the United States. Very um, much so. Sadly. <laughs> so, uh, lastly, I want to talk here. Um, so Oh, that was embarrassing. I'll have to edit was that, that out. Was that you? That was me. I'm going to have to edit that out. You shouldn't edit no. it. Yeah, no. Yeah, 32 no, no, minutes. No. What? No. What are you minutes. editing? I can edit that out. What Why? was it? Don't. Yes. Are you, you joking me? snorted a little. No. That's we'll okay. That I'll edit that out. That's embarrassing. For who? We we all get embarrassed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do. <laughs> yeah, you guys were great golfers and then... No, I'm not. Whatever, Scott. Had you look like hits. we should have had Scott Ely here and did a podcast on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me and Scott took these two golfing. The <laughs> these two time. golfing. It was a great example. Speaking of historical events. Speaking of historical <laughs> events. Okay. It was fun. Okay. Um, you saw the fat rectangle thing. There's about Pentecostalism. Okay. Um, so lastly, um, <laughs> we shook him. He shook. shook. <laughs> hey, you almost got shook in church this week. You said there's no children's church. So, uh, stay here. We're going to worship. <laughs> we're going to worship here, kids. <laughs> All right, youngins. <laughs> Stand up next to your mom and your pa. <laughs> it was just funny. I'm like, what's he going to say? I know. <laughs> oh, crap. I don't have a script. <laughs> Okay, lastly, um, the importance of include this is from the article again. The importance of including bodies in the study of religiosity is underscored in recent research regarding the privatization of faith in the United States. Do you guys have ever have you ever heard of Sheilaism? You what? ever heard of that? Sheilaism? Is that what Rob Fent does? <laughs> <laughs> you know his email address? Yeah, Sheila Slave. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody that. That's what that sounds like. Tell everybody that. I didn't say what. Sorry, Rob, for all the emails. Yeah, I believe Sheilaism is just like the idea is is you just create your own religion, your own spirituality. So the famous example they say of Sheilaism and habits of the heart suggested a new kind of spirituality that is notable in part because it can also be done solo without the traditional religious congregation or community or building. Right. So I don't need a church. I'm just spiritual by myself. They say this, this is fascinating. The rise of the spiritual but not religious coincides with an increasing number of Americans living alone, which is interesting. Their physical living arrangements are also connected to the fact that they have an individual spirituality. 
that's disconnected from any kind of group, whether that be a, a synagogue or a mosque or a church. How exact? So they, they ask this question. How exactly does disembodied religion separate from religious buildings and congregations operate? And they ask this other question. Have recently constructed sanctuaries changed their architecture to better accommodate a more private religious experience? They're asking the question. And in this article, what do you guys think? Have um, First of all, it's a fascinating thing to point out that people want to, they don't want to be connected to any kind of group necessarily. Um, they can do their own thing in an individual way. And so they ask this, have recently constructed sanctuaries, have we started design, designing our buildings because we want a private religious experience? We're actually shooting for that. Yeah, I mean, I... I would say that for the churches who turn all their lights off. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You and that's designed for that purpose. Lights up on the stage, everything else is off. You can So I don't see everybody else out here. You can here. disappear. It's just all about it's kind of like uh I went to the movie theater uh last week, went and saw a movie and the theater was packed, but when the movie was on, it was just me and the movie. Right. Everything, well, and my popcorn. <laughs> everything else, you know, just yeah. kind of fades fades out because mm -hmm. i remember even after the movie was over getting up and looking around and be like geez there's a lot of, there's a lot of people here but you didn't go around and shake hands to any of those people did you oh gosh no no yeah you just went out you just left yeah it but was because it was just about that's me what, but that's yeah. what church is that's so what much I mean. about yeah. it was just about me and the movie and and so it became very easy to to do that you know um and that's what a, a lot of churches now are, are more geared towards instead of it being a community and people who we uh, share our burdens with and our joys with and our sin, our sins with. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's definitely went away or, or what pastor Dave said in the last one about the mall, right? Yeah. Church. Like we are a spiritual mall. Well, I don't go to the mall to hang out with everybody at the mall and I don't go to every store. Right. Yeah. I just go to the mall because I need some shoes and I need to run into target or whatever. Right. And so I'm going to go to those two places and I'm going to get out. I'm so bad now. I'm so bad now. I also have earbuds in when I go to the store. So, Whoa. So I don't hear anything that's going on. I'm not paying it. It's just me getting what I need to get and having a few awkward interactions with people wondering, did they, did they say something to me? Cause I can't hear them if they did. <laughs> but I think that's how uh, church members are in the store <laughs> trying to talk to Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim! Pastor Tim! <laughs> Am I what are the little children? Pastor Tim! Pastor Tim! I don't know. Mommy, he ignored me. us. <laughs> yeah, I did, I guess. But uh, that's how I think a lot of people do view church. But we've also, you know, a lot of churches cater to that. But it's it's a marketing strategy, right? It's it's If we want to get more people in here, what can we do to get them comfortable? Well, we could do this. Right. And so then we see, well, look at our numbers. This is working. That's that's the kicker. Yeah. And it's like, is it working? Are you being the church you're supposed to be? And I was going to say this, I think, in the last one. But um, what what gets used, I think, by churches to build these buildings and to do what they do is they say we are missional. They call themselves a uh, great commission people. And they use the Great Commission as an excuse to actually disobey God because they, they they play that card, you know, and you're like, yeah, but what you're doing, you're forgetting about how we're supposed to worship. Yeah, but we're reaching people. It's like, yeah, but what is the church actually for? And I think those people would say, they would answer this question differently than me. What is the church for? 
they would say the church is to reach people. I would say that's part of what, for me, I'd say that's part of what the church does, but that's not what the church is for, right? We are people saved by God's grace Mm -hmm. to worship and adore him and to glorify him in everything we Mm -hmm. say or do. Now, he does tell us to worship together. He tells us to sing together. He tells us to share the gospel with others. He tells Mm -hmm. us to live in this world. Mm -hmm. He tells us all these things. But they've took that one command, they've made it the most important, and Mm -hmm. they've allowed that to dictate their buildings, their worship services, their programs, and everything. And they know that when they say that, well, we're just doing what we can to reach people, what are you doing? They can use that as this card right. where it kind of like their trump card, you yeah. know, and you're but to me it just shows this great misunderstanding of the word of God and actually the purpose of the church. Yeah. And again, sharing the gospel is awesome. It's something we're supposed to do. The Great Commission is something we are supposed to do. But that is not our one and only task, and especially when we gather together on Sundays mm-hmm. to worship of what the building is here for. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The building is here to 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 allow us to worship God, and, and then it's built right. beyond that to be able to know right. God more through right. study or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then as churches get more money, they definitely build places for fellowship and for these other things, these outreach things. Right. But the main focus, again, of it all was to be able to to worship God. And so mm. we want to make sure that our building is allowing us to do that. Not in that. Yeah. And I think the key thing is, it. I think the key thing is right. Is we don't need a building to worship God. We don't No, But if we have one, it can aid or hinder us mm-hmm. to do that better. And also I think what we're saying too, is there, we're not, so what we're not saying and what these are, this article is not saying is that there's only one way to design a building or there's only one size it has to be or one this or that or the other thing. What I think they are saying though is what you, and what we're saying is you what you believe will at some level come out. What you believe about what Christianity is, is about yeah, that, yeah. will in some way impact or come out in the church building architecture or um, the way the service is done, any number, it can't help but bear fruit in those ways. No, it's not going to always look the same everywhere, but it is going to show forth at some level. And I think the idea that we can so separate those things um, because one of the dangers will be as well, as long as the gospel's here, we can do like, it, it's like they're like practice is taken away from what we believe, mm-hmm. but what you believe will impact how you practice and that even gets down to the to even um how your the physical structures your church does have how it does impact the way we we function so um like you talked about tim um you know i think we do see obviously in so many ways um people do want a private religious experience. And the question we have to ask them is, is that Christianity that they're seeking? Uh, no, it's and, not. And many, cha- many times it's not, mm-hmm. or, or it's a watered down Christianity. When was this written? This is 2016. Uh, yeah. So it's fairly See, new. So, well, but it, but it's not new enough to know the since meta, COVID the meta church. Right. Now right. people can build their own churches within their own fake reality. Right, right, right. To do mm-hmm. to do things, which that's, is that's what I was going to say. Is you know we're talking about uh, churches being designed for more individualistic experiences. Mm-hmm. That, that's what that is. <laughs> yeah. Right, like right. that's the ultimate. I mean, it, at the end of the day, 
I mean, your church can be designed to where people can kind of sit back and do their thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it doesn't matter how your building is designed. If your building is built to accommodate over 500 people, people are going to do that anyways, because mm-hmm. they're just going to come in and sit in the back and go sure. as soon as they can. Sure. It happens all the time. Um, but they still have to go somewhere where other people are. Mm-hmm. And now that, that like there's there's the fads of the metaverse like you're talking about or just online yeah. church and that's that's the extreme version of that uh of this individualistic mm-hmm. church experience where it's not even about going to a building it's just about staying at home or putting on a sure. pair of VR goggles and and doing your thing yeah. buildings are a great blessing in many ways yeah. they're also such a hindrance in some ways right <laughs> i mean when you just look at like our church budget and trying to think through things. This building that we're in that people would say is relatively new, 30 years old, just gets money sunk into it constantly just to keep it running, to keep it heated, to keep the lights on. But then beyond that, you know, we've, we've reached a point in our building's life where things need to be repaired. Concrete's going bad and all this stuff. And so one of the things that we talked about, right, is you want to be you want to, I would view, I would say it this way. I want to be a good neighbor. So I want the church to look good on the outside because I want to be a good neighbor sure. in our community. So I want the concrete outside to look good. I want the flower beds to look good. I want rock to be where rock's supposed to be. And I want the parking spots to be where they're supposed to be and trees to be trimmed. And Right. You, you think about that with your own house. It's all this stuff. And we know it costs money. Well, with a building this size, it's a ton of money mm, and sure. effort mm-hmm. and work, right. And time spent where people could be with their families doing things. It's like, oh, I need you here at church. We need to do mm-hmm. this, right? And it's just because of the building. And so buildings are great. And that impacts the life of the community mm-hmm. as well. One of the things they talk about here that we didn't talk about was there was a church that they built. They, I think they built some kind of a newer building and it had concrete. It was very modernist. But one of the things they didn't realize was the energy bills to they're like they were saying that's a repercussion of their architecture Mm. it impacted later on other things and that that um that that also then further impacts your community life because the funds that the community shares is is driven um one way or the other and so just tons of little ways that that then impact our our relationships together as a church yeah it might be a bad example but like paul kind of talks about this with singleness and married Remember, and he yeah. talks about getting married, and it's fine. That is good, but, yeah. he, but he says, I, as a single, I, there's a lot I can do in sure. ministry, That, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the same with the building. It's like the building is great, yeah. but like for us, we were in such debt here for such a long time because of this building that we, it was hard to do a lot of stuff because mm. we were paying so much money a month in the debt. When that finally went away, it was like a huge sure. burden lifted, you know, and I'd hate to have to get to get back into that's a that, credit to our church too though yeah they, the people and back. the that's leadership a, like really worked hard at that and yeah and did a good job to to get to that and that's great but like i said now we're just at that point where it's like there's some work that needs to be done around here and it's not it's like not cheap to put a new roof on mm-hmm. this huge of a building you know or yeah. uh, to seal the parking lot and all that stuff and yeah it takes faithful uh church family members to pitch in to to give and to to be a part of that it's like if you you like this if you like coming to church and having a building Mm -hmm. this is what it takes it takes all of us working together you know to get this to get this stuff done and one thing that is different nowadays you know probably 50 years ago 
everybody would chip in on Saturday to work and to do to do it's not like that anymore right but we need people to chip in so that we can pay to have things done which is fine mm-hmm. but it just it just has to happen cuz you don't want the building to go to waste you know you don't want it to you want to be a good steward of what God has given you and handle right. it well and and eventually we're going to have a statue of you of me outside um the front maybe even your grave you want my you grave know, like I know like at RC Sproul's church his grave is not too far from the church building have you ever thought about that? I have, because at Duke's Chapel, just the, so you had the main sanctuary, just yeah. off to the right of the, the stage area was another room, and that's yeah. where the the people who paid for the building were buried in there. That's cool. Yeah. I think that'd be great, you know, to have you out cool. there, um, just so everybody I'm a, in the I'm future I'm so can... little historical significance here. It's not I'm true. I'm sure there's you, other pastors that one would of the much thing... be, be much more honored in that. I don't know. You will it definitely have the hardest last name to spell of anybody. <laughs> yeah, so far. Yeah, yeah. Tim I. <laughs> yeah. In my phone, still, it's just, his name is just Tim. It's good. I remember That's one time. Do you remember this one time? Whenever we were, uh, this was like we were talking at a. It was whenever we were first kind of talking about, um, kind of building relationship as we knew each other but as far as like me coming uh-huh. back here, when you were still dating we were, we, yeah. we were kind of no, dating we were, it was like kind of like it was like it's like courting and tim <laughs> was like to know each i other. accidentally <laughs> called him tom i think <laughs> do you remember that at all no. i kind of because i still remember that because i'm like you're an idiot <laughs> but we were at Where's that, my script we were at the bavarian inn in frankenmuth oh you call me tom there i think so because uh bruce was there and ely was there did and, they get on you no, no, you guys were all very cordial and everything. Oh, at that but, point, but uh, should have left. But you, I don't know, maybe I don't know. You probably were complaining about the food there at the uh, Bavarian over, Inn. Overpriced. It is overpriced. But Scott needs to go eat it. Yeah, we just for guys. one time. He'll go. He'll go one time. There's a piece of great church architecture you could go see there too. Yeah, Saint Lorenz, the Lutheran Church. Oh, <laughs> great. Great. <laughs> okay. Have you you driven by it? No. I mean, maybe. I don't yeah, know. It's beautiful. I haven't been there too much. Hmm. Okay. Kind of a one and done with that place. Frankenmuth. Yeah. It's kind of a one and done place. That's why I don't want to go. You go and you're like, cool. But you got to go once. And you leave. <laughs> I don't want to. I want to go somewhere where I want to go back. Someday we're going to just take a trip. You're going to show up at the office. We're just going to kidnap you and drive you to Frankenmuth. For- <laughs> we could take him when we go see Leroy. It's, it's not much farther. About 30 40, minutes. 40 minutes away from As long as we stop by Tony's. Yeah. That would have to be the compromise, maybe. <laughs> I will go to DQ. <laughs> no. Across he's be the compromise. Across what the way. a lame. You or go there's... to Tony's. He goes to Franken. No, I'll go to Taco Bell. I'll drop Scott off at Tony's and <laughs> come back and pick him up whenever he's gained there's 10 pounds. There's a Culver's right by it. Yeah, there is a Culver's right there. Yeah. I'll you seriously on. don't like anything they have there? I, it, it is total quantity over quality. <laughs> that is all Tony's is. Because <laughs> Dairy Queen has better yeah, quality. They don't have good food at Dairy Queen at all. That is not true. Their I, food is awful. Yeah. I don't mind the flamethrower burger. No, their burgers are like Burger King's. Both fake. I would prefer to go to Culver's because you did say Culver's is right across the street. That's true. Culver's you can't tell me that anything at Dairy Queen is going to be better than like a BLT at Tony's. Absolutely. It's just a bacon sandwich and it's good. Okay. I've had the I want Reuben. you to think their about, Reuben is excellent. Think about this, what we've just talked about. First we shape our buildings. 
then our buildings shape us. Whenever I go into Tony's. First we shape our plates. <laughs> and then our plates shape us. Is that and Tony's is kind of the place. It's like <laughs> going in there and then you're coming right out and you're getting ready to go over to the, you know, I don't know. It's just, to this day, it's one of my favorite places I've been in Michigan so far. Oh, my goodness. It's, a, it's an experience. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. No, nothing wrong with it. Okay. All right. Thanks, Thanks for Vincent. listening. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Hope this has been encouraging. Take care.